Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 421 for Tuesday the 13th of October 2015. Hello, I'm Robbie. Nice to see you. Hi, my name's Shelly. Introducing Shelly, and we will uh, catch up with her after a little bit, uh, a couple minutes time. You know, we've got other things to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, how are you? I, I love the look. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. The Washington Post has reported that Chinese police have arrested hackers after the U.S. government supplied them with a list of cybercrime suspects. U.S. computer giant Dell has agreed to a deal to buy data storage company EMC for $67 billion. A man who briefly bought and owned the Google.com web domain has been rewarded by the search giant. There's some shady tax evasion going on at Facebook in the UK, but they claim they've done nothing outside the law. The maker of LastPass, a popular password manager, is being acquired by LogMeIn in a sale worth at least $110 million. Three British companies have created a device to deter drones from entering sensitive areas by freezing them in mid-flight. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Kid. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 4. 21. I'm Robbie. It's so nice to have you here. And uh, help me in welcoming Shelly De Silva to the show. Welcome. Want to tell us a little bit about you and what brought you to Category 5, what you do? I uh, wanted to try something new. I've never done this before. Uh, I kind of missed the chat room, to be honest. I haven't been on one in forever, is what it feels like. IRC. So, yeah. It's pretty old school. Yeah, back when dial-up was uh, still a thing. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just working full-time at a marketing company, and I'm a graphic designer there. Cool. So, yeah. so what kind of tech do you work with? You're just graphics. I just do billboards. Straight up, yep. like Photoshop. And then yep, Illustrator. Yep. All that fun stuff. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. You do any web stuff? A little bit of web. Yep. yep. I do a little designing for um, just just some interfaces. So. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Very good. We'll look forward to getting to know you, and through the course of the show, if there's any ideas that, okay. uh, that you yep. have that uh, are kind of up, up your alley, then... Uh, it's a good opportunity for for us to introduce some of the things that you enjoy doing, and and if you have any questions, uh, Shelly is in the chat room tonight. Is Shelly DS, mm-hmm. not to be mistaken for Nintendo DS, <laughs> uh, but uh, you can ping her there. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll be answering. ready for it. I'm ready. We we're laughing before the show. That's what happened there. <laughs> So tonight, uh, we are going to look at an innovative device that's going to do one thing and do it really, really well. Uh, The attachment may help reduce headaches. 
I'm going to tell you all about that. It may help reduce the chance of disease mm-hmm. and improve if you experience mental fatigue. It's going to help with that. And this device is available now. We're going to tell you in a couple minutes' time uh, how ULA works for under $40. Mm, I'm excited. Cool stuff. I, I'll just uh, yeah, we'll refer back to this one here. Uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, Category 5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters as well. We're also a member of that. At Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Out of the park. All right, folks. Well, get in the chat room if you're not already there. I want to say thanks to everybody who's joining us in the chat room. I see uh, Al Peck there and Cal Hydro. Uh, Rab, nice to see you. And also Rob Shad, who has uh, uh, been in the chat room throughout the course of the week and uh, been fun to, to hang out with him and mm-hmm. get to know him a little better. Uh, I see Toby there as well. And uh, greets to everybody who's joining us in the chat room. So, hey, like she says, it's a little old school. It's a lot of fun. Get into Category 5 on Freenode. And it's a great chance to, uh, to hang out with other viewers of the show as well as us here in the studio. We'll try to keep up as well. So should we get right into it? Yes. Some fun facts about water. Water. You need it. You got to have it. Yeah. Common headaches quite often are caused by Mm -hmm. dehydration. Yeah. And we'll go through a couple of little fun facts with you. And a lot of a lot of this stuff, you're going to say, hey, well, I know that. Well, Mm -hmm. fact is, is I still don't drink enough water. Agreed. I know that I don't. Uh, Water improves and accelerates your metabolism. Mm -hmm. That's always a good thing. I think yeah. about, uh, like, I've been trying to do the whole weight loss thing over the past year, to be honest, and increasing my metabolism uh, is a good idea, but also water helps to prevent false hunger, which is that feeling yeah. that I need something to eat. You go to the fridge, and it turns out you're actually thirsty. Uh, your body's telling you, I need something, but what do you go for? You go for chips mm-hmm. or uh, some something chocolates else. or yeah. some kind of snack thing that's not a good idea. You put some water in you, and uh, it's going to help maintain that so that you're not uh, not binge eating mm-hmm. just because of that feeling. And it says it helps uh, ingestion or digestion of your food With as well. digestion as well. Yeah. So that's, that's a good thing as well. Helps break down your um, food. Helps maintain norm- normal bodily functions, as you know. And uh, also, true story, helps with mood swings. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, <laughs> drinking enough water helps with mood swings. You've got some actual official stats. Let's talk a little bit about hydration and, and uh, what it's going to do for us. And, and my perspective is I sit at a computer desk all day. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot of coffee. Right, yeah. Not a lot of H2O. How and much water would you say you drink in a day? In a day? Let's see. If I was to be honest. Oh, no. There have been days that have gone by like three days where I would say, oh, I haven't had a glass of water in that time. Maybe maybe a glass at bed. Maybe maybe getting a glass in the morning or at bedtime or whatever. Mm -hmm. But realistically sitting at my desk, I'll quite often just have coffee or sometimes I'll have tea Mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Something. So maybe that's a little better than coffee for uh, from a hydration Mm -hmm. perspective. But uh, yeah, I don't drink enough. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with you there. I'm, I sit at a desk as well, so I think just being more mindful of that and just kind of getting up every so often to go get a bottle of water is sometimes a little... It doesn't happen very often, or as much as it should. Yeah. So. 
And it's, yeah. it's important, isn't it? So maybe mm. we can learn a little bit about the, the fun facts. So how much water one. should you drink in a day? Um, it I've says heard this. Six to eight ounces. I don't know how much that is S- in comparison to a glass. Well, uh, an eight-ounce cup would be like a coffee. Well, this would be like a 12-ounce. This doesn't feel like enough, think. though. You know, for a Well, you would day. have about eight of these, I think. Oh, eight of these. Eight of these throughout the course of the day, which I never do. Nearly not enough. Do you do yeah. that? When was the last time you had it? Is anyone drinking water right now? Just tell me. Just let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eight so our these. bodies are made up of 70% water, which doesn't really feel like it. But here's another cool fact. 64% so coffee, 6% water. Oh. What's the, what's Your blood's this? a little thick then. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Oh, it's like slug. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, besides water, what else can you consume to stay hydrated? So Robbie said tea helps you stay hydrated. Also sports drinks or... Fruits, actually, fun fact, I could not eat or keep anything down at one point because I had an intestinal infection, and the only thing I drank was carrots, uh, like carrots, carrot ginger, yeah, like ground up or whatever, and orange juice. Okay. So I literally lived on that for like three days. So it really wasn't water, but I mean, it kept <laughs> you've, me alive. You've the I'm water still from. here. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of sports drinks, mm-hmm. energy drinks, things like that, mm-hmm. lots of sugar. Yes. So when I'm looking at weight loss. I'm having the exact opposite effect there. Yeah, and high sodium and as well. And putting a lot of sugar into my system, which is not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at um, the potential for diabetes and mm-hmm. things like that if you're drinking yeah. a lot of it. And it dehydrates you as well, so it makes you even really? more thirsty, which yeah, sodium and the oh, sugars. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Goes looking for water, or your body goes hmm. looking for water. Um, a good point uh, coming to us from the chat room um, that... Uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily eight cups a day. Um, truth is, is everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may need more than that. Some people mm-hmm. may need, need less. Um, guidelines are put into place to basically say, if you target eight cups a day, that's probably a good place to start. Okay. Um, everybody's different. But mm-hmm. if you aim for that, if that's your goal, then it's probably going to keep you a lot healthier than the guy that only drinks coffee all day long and maybe drinks one cup a day. Yeah, they said depending on uh, the weather as well. If it's really hot out, you need way more. Makes sense. So. Yeah. Any other fun facts for us on yeah. hydration? Although we can survive a month without food, we can only survive about a week without water. So that's, I guess, in comparison. It's got to tell you something. Yeah. Okay. Um, another way you can stay hydrated throughout the day if you're not an avid um, cup drinker is to sip water throughout the day so just making sure that you pick up the bottle ever so often and with me i don't like water at all the taste nothing nothing is appealing about water to me so i have to make sure i take two full mouthfuls of water just to get that in to know that i'm constantly you know what i do is i'm kind of the same where sometimes water just doesn't appeal to me Mm. so i'll take um that you can buy lime juice oh and it's pure lime (gasps) juice 100 percent, and you just put a couple of drops in you know, you know, anything in water picks up the water picks up the taste. So I've yeah. cut up watermelon and put it in my water. It yeah. tastes like That's watermelon water and cucumber mm. and water tastes good. Cucumber and a couple of sprigs of mint. It's yes. like like Agreed. a non-alcoholic hydrating mojito. We <laughs> <laughs> no, had a question nice. about alcohol in the chat room here. Right. Wondering there's, if there's enough. Yeah. And Robbie, to speak yes. to your coffee thing. Yeah. Um, halfway through the day, I switch to hot water. Right? I've been I've been doing that so, too. Now, do you dr- just drink straight hot water, like boiled water? Yeah, I drink my water black, as I call it. <laughs> I don't put anything in it because I'm lazy, but it's really good with lemon. So 
Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's smart. I I have been boiling just water to to substitute coffee to try Ooh. to wean myself off of coffee in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of just adding a little bit to the water that's pure. Agamotto in the chat room says, stick a slice of lime in there. Mm-hmm. Stick yeah. some lemon, uh, yeah. maybe even some orange slices would be another mm-hmm. idea, just to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more flavorful. So we're, we're all talking about, okay, that's the importance of... Coffee is 97% water. There so you go. There you go. You have so a, that's good to know. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so the, the effects of hydration, obviously, hydration mm-hmm. is a good thing. Um, it helps us to be healthy because we are predominantly water-based. 92% of our blood is water. And uh, for those of us that, have, you know, that don't drink a lot of water, you might find, hey, your blood pressure goes up. Yeah. Well, because it, the viscosity of your blood goes thicker. Oh, that so already sounds wrong. <laughs> it's wrong, right? So it's really important for our health long-term to have enough water in us. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the effects of dehydration? Headaches. Yeah. Men- mental fatigue. Yeah. We've got a list here. Constipation. Uh, dry mouth. Uh, no tears when crying. I found that one kind of interesting. That is interesting. Um, but And obviously would lead to some pain as well, mm-hmm. I would think, because uh, that's kind of the body's way of keeping your eyes uh, feeling good. And hydrated. Dizziness or lightheadedness. Mm-hmm. And if I'm working at a computer and i uh, talking about fatigue, mm-hmm. working coding and thinking, oh, man, my head is just like I'm... S- it's just, a throbbing, yeah. And you're just, not even a headache necessarily, but even just the dizziness and not being able to focus on your work by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been finding that water's been helping me to do that. So what we're looking at tonight, mm-hmm. there's some fun facts for you. Yeah. And I hope we didn't leave too much out. But, I mean, you can research it. I'm going to put some links. We've got some great articles from mm-hmm. familydoctor.org. Uh, there's another skinny, one. Be happy. Uh, yeah, one? and we've got, uh, they, they've got an excellent infographic there about the effects of dehydration on, yeah. on the human body. The whole body. Yeah, and so, and it's amazing how much water really makes a difference. It's mm-hmm. so crazy as I'm realizing this because mm-hmm. you'd think it's, it's obvious, but yet here I am, I still don't drink enough. So, so we're looking at a product tonight uh, that quite literally, simply makes you drink more water. Mm. Let's just fix your microphone here just because I know that it's it's being problematic for you. And uh, so we apologize for the rustling there. Does that feel good? Yep, that's better. Okay. There we go. We'll figure it out. Uh, Ula is a product that actually just attaches to your water bottle. And you'll see is. that it's actually flashing right now. And that mm. is telling me that it's time to drink some water. It's such a simple idea, but... When you think about it, I will have a water in front of me and I'll still forget to drink from it. Mm-hmm. You'll, have, you'll pour yourself a glass of water. Or maybe you don't even pour yourself a glass of water. By sticking Ula on your bottle or on your, your, cup. Uh, your, cu- yeah, mm-hmm. your cup of, of water, it, it simply just catches your eye out of the corner of your eye so that you know that, it, hey, it's time to have a drink. So every half hour it reminds you, okay, pick up your bottle yep. and if have you a, drink. Had a drink. And right. you'll see it's still flashing. Well, in order to turn it off, to stop it from doing that, all i got to do is pick it up. Have a drink. Simple as that. And set it down. No longer flashing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't bug the other people in my office. They don't even know that it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the corner of my eye, I was surprised because the first couple of days I was using it, I, I thought, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to catch my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your periphery, that little LED just blinking there in a pulse mm-hmm. really does catch your eye. And, you th- and then you pick it up. Yeah, and, uh, and it works. So I've gone from, like I say, maybe a maximum of one cup of water a day to having a drink every half hour. 
with Ula. Yep. So it's got to make a huge difference. So yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see what that does for my health. Um, should we look at how, how we use it? I mean, it's the simplest thing in the world. Yeah, sure. So this is Ula, this little guy right here. So all I've done is just clipped it to the side of my water bottle, uh, but it does include a strap as well. So if you want to put it on anything, it basically takes any water bottle and makes mm. it into a smart water bottle. Sasha, could you show us your water even? Just this is there it is. I mean, it's there just a store-bought bottle of water with Ula on it, and even that is going to work just fine. So this will turn bottle. it'll turn any uh, bottle or glass mm-hmm. into a smart drink. So I can just clip this onto here, and that flashes and lets me know when it's time to have a drink. Neat. Sounds like such a simple thing, but it really does work. And knowing the the impact that drinking more water is going to mm-hmm. have on our health, not just short-term, like weight loss, but also long-term, when I think about the diseases yeah. that are prevented by being well hydrated on a regular basis. Yeah, since um, it keeps your kidneys um, hydrated, it, it filters it helps filter them better. Yeah, it must. Uh, what other, like, there are diseases that are caused by dehydration? There's, um, my mom has multiple myeloma, or she may, and one of the symptoms was dehydration, and I thought... This is a symptom. Yeah, so dehydration is one of the, or causes, I guess. Oh, a cause of the... Yeah, d- so now she has a cyst on her kidney, because I guess it's not filtering oh. the way it should. So, oh, dear. Yeah, dehydration was one of the causes. So I was like, hmm. mm, okay. That's yeah, there's a lot of stuff that can be avoided by just keeping mm-hmm. hydrated. So it's it, this is such a simple device. And what we can do is uh, it actually has a CR2032 battery, which we're all familiar with. In the, that's your BIOS battery, right? Um, and you can actually just pull it out and change it. I know you can. Do you have nails? Yeah, I do. Can you get that open? Here we go. There we go. You need nails. So it's just, <laughs> that's as simple as it is. We've got a CR2032 battery in there. To change it, it takes 2.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. There you go. Done and that's done. It. And we're done. So, and that's going to last a long time as well. So you can check this out. It's cat5.tv slash ULA. And it is uh, mm-hmm. U-L-L-A. U-L-L-A. Dot. Just like that. Yep. So cat5.tv slash U-L-L-A. You can be able to pick up one of those. It's so simple, but it really does work. Yeah. We're such creatures of habits. It helps remind you. It really does. It's making a difference for sure for me. So check it out. That's right, Agamotto. U-L-L-A. Thanks, Rev D. Jank, And thanks, everybody in the chat room. Check it out. Well, we've got viewer questions that have come in for us tonight, and uh, I know we're going to get touching on those and if anyone has any questions for me uh go through just let shelly know uh, in the chat room i'm gonna put this on the strap it's a little easier for me this is category 5 technology tv you'll find us online www.category5.tv make sure you participate in the community we've got the uh, chat room there and of course if you're watching this after the fact you can subscribe to our various channels we're on youtube Uh, you can get us on cody Go to, cat, uh, to github.com slash cat5 uh, to download our Kodi plugin. And uh, we're also on Roku. If you've got a Roku device, just subscribe to the Category 5 TV network channel. Do you have any questions for me uh, coming in? Mm. Thanks for sending in your questions, everybody. You can email us live at category5.tv or, again, just get into the chat room and we're there. 
I don't have to wait for the timer to go. You can have a drink and it resets it. Oh, you're talking about Ulu? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, we're mentioning a lot of alcoholic beverages that have water inside, though. <laughs> the water content yeah. of vodka. Of vodka, <laughs> yeah. whiskey, uh, there's beer. What else do we have here? Got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's the way the chat room's going to go. <laughs> you can put Ula on anything. I think that kind of isn't the purpose. <laughs> How do you reply to someone? Uh, just down at the bottom there. This is old school IRC, eh? Yeah, there you go. Just hit out. Uh, you can type slash. Quick Android question, Robbie. Yeah, just type, yeah. Um, R-E-V, D-J. Rev D Jenk. That's it. Hey, yeah. Depends on device. Does one need to unlock boatloader to use alternate ROM in an Android phone? Do you need to unlock the phone in order to change the... Uh, the ROM? It depends on the manufacturer, like if it's an official ROM. Uh, is GWG in the chat? Because he operates the Android Buffet podcast, and I'd recommend that you uh, check out their website, androidbuffet.com. Um, they're going to be able to help you with all that kind of stuff from a more technical perspective. But um, you, you would need to um, uh, you'd, you'd need to root the phone if you're going to replace it with something that's not official. If it's okay. officially supported, then you would be able to install it. Uh, just as, as any other firmware kind of thing. But. Yeah, we're having some, um, yeah, people are asking as well. Uh, well, answering his question as well. So oh, well, there you go. You. Yeah. All right, cool. And any questions coming by email at all? Let's check. Question from TLDO. Very good. Rev Jank, good job. Mm. Um, my computer's old, and I've been upgrading it slowly, and so far I've replaced the graphics card. And now I can get dual monitors and upgrade the DVD drive. And I was considering getting an SSD. What are your op- opinions on SSDs? I was going to get a... Actually, we can answer that first because I think... We've got a couple, like a two-parter? Yeah, it's a two-part question. Solid-state drives versus hard disk drives, the spinning drives. Um, Solid-state is uh, a hard drive that is completely chips. There's no spinning parts, so they're much, much faster, as you know, uh, Toby. Um these days they're quite reliable so uh, if you want the speed um, here's the toss-up if you go with a solid-state drive you're gonna get less capacity but you're gonna get much more speed so a good example would be our broadcast server here we used to use a RAID 0 so we had multiple drives to try to get the best possible speed out of the system we replaced that RAID 0 with a single SSD and it's a good SSD, a nice fast one, but it is faster than the RAID 0 that had four drives in it. So the speed is astronomically better, but the, uh, the capacity is much lower. So dollar for dollar, gigabyte to gigabyte or terabyte to terabyte, uh, it's much more expensive to go SSD. So you need to use strategies to figure out, okay, well, can I store things on a NAS device? Can I put them on a server versus having to uh, put it all on my computer, for example? Um, so those are the things that you kind of take into account. Okay. Neat. For your OS, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, there was more to that one? Yeah, I was going to get a SanDisk 32 gig, 32 okay. gigabyte. Um, That's small. 32 gigabyte? And I have a home directory on the terabyte that I have just installed. What would I need to know about SSDs? I know you can't do a swap, 
uh, partition in case it shortens its lifespan. But what else would I need to know? Thank you. And P.S. I switched my monitors to a very small one, and now your head is stuck in my panel. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice. <laughs> I Roddy's can't get it out. Head panel. Cool. Um, okay. Thirty-two gigs is too small for an OS, guaranteed. You got. I mean, realistically, um, and with the price per gigabyte, I would start at 128 gigs. These days, it's probably just the the way to go. What you need to look at when you're looking at it is the speed of the read and the speed of the write versus what you are going to be doing. So, um, if I here we go. no oh I don't have any on this the shelf here. I wish I did for you, Toby. Uh, SSDs are measured and sold showing the speed of the read and the speed of the write. So if it's for um, your operating system and all your programs, then the read is the most important because you're not actually writing a whole lot of stuff. Although if you've got a temp folder, but as you know, as you've already stated, it's probably not a good idea to have that on the SSD. Um, it, it, the speed is going to impact the, the, the way your computer operates. So if you get one that's super fast read and really slow writes, it's going to really crawl every time you save something. So you could open it in Photoshop, it boom, it's up on the screen, but then you make some changes and you hit save and it takes forever. Um, not not really, but mm-hmm. it, it, there's a, such a significant difference. So I always aim for something that is going to be about equal read and write, um, and I aim for anything over 500 megabytes per second, and uh, that's going to be nice and screaming fast for your OS and for saving stuff. Uh, looking at your temp folder, where you want to store stuff on a temporary basis, um, I would look at making sure you have lots and lots of RAM in your computer. Um, so you would, if you've got 16 gigs of RAM in your computer, set your temp folder as a, a RAM disk of that RAM so that any temp stuff goes into your RAM, knowing that as soon as you shut down your computer, it's all lost because it's temporary. But it's going to be screaming fast and it's going to save um, those constant read-write operations happening on the, uh, on the hard drive, which realistically these days you're not going to probably kill a hard drive just by having your temp folder on it. Um, they're, they're good enough and solid enough now. Um, garbage collection is important, so make sure it has that feature, but everything does these days. So I can't say I, I could imagine a hard drive being sold without garbage collection these days. Hmm. So these are all concerns that were a concern three years ago, but not so much anymore as long as you're buying a modern drive. But uh, So good luck. Robbie? Yes. Um, I had a comment from last week. Toby had said, and I wasn't able to add it into the show, but I wanted to just bring it up. Um, I guess it was about a malicious ad that was going around, and he just wanted to warn everybody that yeah. it looks like a, is it BSOD? Is that Blue a Blue screen of death. Blue screen of death mm. from Windows 98, and at the bottom, it has a number and audio that comes up saying, your computer is infected, please call this number. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are falling for it, kind of like the phone scammers. So he just wanted everybody to know. I took a, a screenshot of the conversation. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so oh, there we go. Uh, can we talk about that for a brief moment, Shell? Yeah. Have you ever encountered that kind of thing? Blue screen of death? Uh, the fake malware versions of blue screen of death. Have you no. ever seen that? So, and this is becoming more and more common. I get lots of calls from customers who say, hey, I think my computer's infected or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Um, there's this advertisement. And this is just one particular instance, but 
and we've talked about social engineering before, uh, phishing scams, ways that hackers try to trick you as a user mm-hmm. into providing information. Um, this particular one, as Toby mentions, um, was, uh, well, it, it ba- it's a full screen advertisement, right? Mm-hmm. Like a pop under or a pop over. Yeah. And it looks like a blue screen of death. However, it says, call this number to get your computer fixed. Right. Well, because it looks so real and because it's happening on yep. your computer and it makes you nervous, you you tend to pick up the phone and call that and number. Give them your information. It's a toll-free number. <laughs> right. And you call it up and you say, oh, I got this pop-up on my computer and they and they are all professional about it. And, oh, mm-hmm. well, we'll take care of that for you. Right, yeah. uh, what we need you to do is go to this website. Uh, we have a special tool there from mm-hmm. Microsoft that's going to help us to to remedy this situation for you. We'll connect in and, and get that solved, no problem. And, and so it's unfortunate that they're preying on um, individuals and, and largely it's, it's obviously going to be people who are not really that savvy when it comes to social engineering scams. Yeah. And, and so they, they trick um, honest, hardworking people into providing access to their system. So then they get in. Mm-hmm. They install stuff that allows them to then remotely control your computer while you sleep and monitor your credit card information as you enter it into yep. any online stores. Whatever they want to do, you've basically authorized them to have access to it. Your antivirus doesn't protect you from it because it's not a virus. You mm-hmm. have given them that access. and So it's dangerous and scary, but it goes along the same lines of uh, all the phishing scams and all those yep. trickeries that are out there that try to get you to give up information. I got one today at work um, from Microsoft Outlook saying that my uh, email was hacked. And if I go to this oh, website, yes. then uh, it'll fix it. For and me. of course, the email comes in. It's got Outlook branding. It yeah. looks completely everything. legitimate. Everything, yep. yeah, Extensions your, your, and everything. We've had to lock out your PayPal account. But yeah. click on this link mm-hmm. and we will reactivate it for right. you. Yeah. You click on the link. It looks exactly like PayPal. Mm-hmm. So you enter your username and password. You just gave your username and password to yep. that mm-hmm. hacker. And it goes for any bank. Yeah, they're gonna. They're just gonna keep trying. Would, by chance, would an ad blocker help to like things that pop up like that? Would an, an ad email? blocker sort of help the blue screen of death thing that Toby was it's talking about? It's a tough about? thing because eh? this is one of the things we touched on yeah. uh, when we were uh, speaking last week with Adzerk is that um, we are going to be tempted to install an ad blocker in a situation like that because it's going to protect us from that particular kind of malware, um, and it can be just an ad. It could just be a trick, a piece of trickery. It's all social engineering, right? So it's just an advertisement, but it pops up in such a way that it looks like, you know, click OK. And, you know, and, and sometimes there's a voice that comes on. Your computer is infected. Yeah. You know, this is in the, so you, it. it freaks you right out. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it's just an ad up until that point, until you take action, right? Mm-hmm. Until you fall for the social engineering tactic, it's still just an ad. Mm-hmm. At that point, because those don't tend to, they don't tend to, I mean, there are ones that compromise things like Flash and JavaScript and things like yeah. that. But, but these particular ones are really just tricking you into proceeding with what they want you to do. Call this number. Mm-hmm. So be careful, folks. Um, and if you, uh, if you need a hand with that kind of thing or if you ever have concern, you know what, even get into our chat room. If you receive a social engineering thing or you suspect that it is a phishing scam, um, you could email it to us, forward it to us live at category5.tv. I'd be happy to review it for mm-hmm. you, point you uh, toward documentation that shows whether or not it's legitimate, show you how to determine whether something is social engineering, or get into our chat room, and our chat room would be more than happy to help you as well.
I think we have a question. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to have to jump over to the newsroom. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sasha's like, yeah, it's She's my ex- turn to talk. She's excited. And then uh, we'll come back uh, with more of your questions right after this. All right. It's Tuesday, October 13th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Hackers in China have been arrested at the request of the U.S. government. Dell is buying EMC, and if it all goes through, it's going to be the largest acquisition in, in history between two tech companies. From the oh my gosh, I can't believe this is true files, a college student owned Google.com for about a minute last month after a flaw in their renewal system allowed him to buy the domain for just $12. Facebook says it operates within the rules in the UK while paying less annual tax than a single worker on an average salary. Time to watch the pricing very closely. LastPass is being acquired by LogMeIn. And a new anti-drone device will jam the radio signals of the operators and freeze a drone in mid-flight. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. The Washington Post has reported that Chinese police have arrested hackers after the U.S. government supplied them with a list of cybercrime suspects. The hackers are believed to have stolen research and development information from several U.S. firms. The arrest came shortly before Chinese President Xi Jinping visited the U.S. for talks, partly about cybersecurity. The U.S. and China have regularly swapped accusations about who is behind the cyber attacks they suffer. Quoting their sources, the newspaper said that the stolen trade secrets and plans were passed to Chinese firms that are rivals of the U.S. businesses which were hit. Some of the recipients are believed to be state-run organizations. The arrests are believed to be the first China has carried out at the request of the U.S. And I guess this really blurs the lines, Robbie, between countries and and I guess a lot of times you're in sort of a bubble of security if you're in China, right? You you have to be arrested hmm. in China even though the crimes you're committing are against the people in the US, right? So cuz we don't have any yeah. jurisdiction over there in the cyber world, do we? Well, I, I mean other than the embassy and things like that, I don't see how we could, but right. at the same time, okay, if we're working together and if there's going to be a perception that we're working together, then um then I guess the government has to kind of step up and say, okay, well, if this if this can be proved, I hope that they're proving this stuff. Right. I'd hate to see people being charged mm-hmm. just on a, well, America said so. Like, I hope that there's investigation going on, and I'm sure there is. Yeah. This sort of sets a precedent, though. Now you can't just hide sort of in your own country right. attacking other countries yeah. in the cyber world. So mm-hmm. it's good. U.S. computer giant Dell has agreed to... D- agreed to a deal to buy a data storage company, EMC, for $67 billion. EMC shareholders will receive $33.15 per share, $24.05 of that, which will be in cash. 
If approved by the regulators, the deal would be the biggest in history between two technology companies. Falling demand for PCs meant Dell is looking to expand into more lucrative businesses, and it has identified data storage as a key growth area. Michael Dell says, Our new company will be exceptionally well-positioned for growth in the most strategic areas of next-generation IT. EMC boss Joe Tucci said, The waves of change we now see in our industry are unprecedented, and to navigate this change, we must create a new company for a new era. Mr. Dell will be chairman and chief executive of the combined group that Dell said would be the world's largest privately privately controlled integrated technology company. The deal is going to take some time. It's expected to close sometime between May and October of next year. Wow, good job, Dell. A man who briefly bought and owned the Google.com web domain has been rewarded by the search giant. An administration oversight allowed U.S. student Sanmay Veed to buy the right to control the domain on September 29th. <laughs> the oversight left him in charge of Google.com for about a minute until Google caught on and canceled the transaction. Now Mr. Veed has been given a cash reward for spotting the error, which he's decided to donate to charity. Mr. Veed is currently an MBA student at a U.S. college. In the early hours of September 29th, he noticed a for sale sign next to the Google.com name while browsing sites on Google's own website buying service. How lucky. He used a credit card to pay the $12 fee to grab Google.com and got emails confirming that he was the owner. Wow. Almost immediately, he started getting messages intended for Google's own web administration team. This was followed by a cancellation message sent by the website by the website buying service, which said he could not take over Google.com because somebody had already registered it and his $12 payment was refunded. Now, it has emerged that Mr. Veed has been given a bug bounty by Google's security team for revealing the weakness in the domain buying system. The internal emails Mr. Veed has received while in charge of Google.com have been passed to the team. Mr. Veed has decided to give the cash to an Indian educational foundation, and after hearing this, Google doubled the reward. I will tell you that the real reward in this is now this guy at every first date and every business (laughs) conversation, he can always say, yeah, I owned Google. I used to own Google. (laughs) (laughs) For one minute, granted. But, but I, I, did, I did. It's true. I would true put story. that in, in bold on my resume. I would cancel everything oh, else man. on my resume. It would just say my name and previous owner of Google. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Wow. What luck. I wonder what the reward was. Good for him donating it, but mm. wow. All right. Facebook has insisted it is complying with the law in the UK despite paying just £4,327 in corporation tax for the whole of last year. The amount is less than the average UK worker who, with an annual salary of £26,500, would contribute a total of £5,393 through income tax and national insurance. According to the company's accounts, Facebook pushed itself into operating at a loss of £28.5 million in Britain, following a payout of more than £35 million to staff as a part of a share bonus scheme. Hmm. The scheme meant Facebook's 362 UK staff members took home an extra 
97,790 pounds each in 2014. I hope they're hiring. I'll apply. Pushing their total paycheck to an average of 210,614 pounds. The payouts, along with a profit base in Ireland, meant the firm was only liable for a small tax bill for the year, despite registering revenues of 105 million pounds. A spokesperson for the company said, We are compliant with UK tax law and, in fact, all countries where we have employees and offices. We continue to grow our business activities in the UK. The company pointed out that it was taxed on their profit figures, not the amount of revenue that they generate in the UK, and argued that all of its UK staff paid tax on their income, including the money they received from the share bonus scheme. I feel like scheme being the operative word in this. This is very clever, Facebook. Well played. (laughs) Clever and dark. Wow. Like, come on. I would like to work for Facebook, it turns out. I would like to specifically work for Facebook in the UK. They get mad $200,000? Not dollars, pounds. Pounds, that's like oh, time, even better. Yeah, that's like times 2.2 or something. Yeah. I don't know. What? I think I that know, might like be miles to clock. 10 these days. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right, the maker of LastPass, a, po- a popular password manager, is being acquired by LogMeIn in a sale worth at least $110 million. LastPass, founded in 2008, makes software that generates strong passwords and stores them in an encrypted vault. The software integrates with desktop and mobile browsers and automatically fills in password fields on a website when a user enters a master password. The basic software can be used for free, but individual users and businesses can pay for premium features. LastPass CEO and co-founder Joe Segrist wrote today that his company is excited to join LogMeIn in delivering the next generation of identity and access management for individuals, teams, and companies, with LastPass at the forefront. Segrist wrote that LastPass will continue to improve its software for free, premium, and enterprise customers. Segrist's blog post drew a few dozen comments, with most expressing disappointment about the sale and criticizing LogMeIn. While I congratulate the LastPass founders on a nice exit, we will, as enterprise users, monitor very carefully, enterprise users will monitor very carefully if that impacts the pricing, one customer wrote. There is a reason we never use LogMeIn because they're not delivering appropriate value for SMBs at their price points. LogMeIn provides remote desktop management and software support for individuals and businesses. The company discontinued a free version of its service product last year. LogMeIn's announcement said it will close the deal with LastPass in the coming weeks, paying $110 million in cash upon the close with an additional $15 million in payments to equity holders and key employees of LastPass contingent on reaching certain milestones and retention targets in the two years after the acquisition. So it sounds like if they take this company and for some reason the sales drop, then they're not on the hook for the $15 million. Oh. Right? Keen observation there, Sasha. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I use Password Box, which I assume is sort of a similar... Similar nature to LastPass, for sure. Right. Mm. So, I mean, maybe if you're not happy... With the transition, that's a, a route you could look at. Mm. It offers a pretty stellar free service with the option to get a premium package. Yeah. 
All right. Three British companies have created a device to deter drones from entering sensitive areas by freezing them in mid-flight. The anti-UAV defense system, or ODDS, worked by covertly jamming a drone signal, making it unresponsive. After this disruption, the operator is like to ret- likely to retrieve the drone, believing that it has malfunctioned. The system joins a host of recently announced technologies which can blast larger drones out of the sky. A drone flying in sensitive airspace can be detected by the odds radar and then sighted via a camera equipped with thermal imaging capabilities so that it can be targeted visually. Then, a high-powered radio signal can be focused on the drone, essentially overriding the connection to whomever is operating it. According to the manufacturers, the whole process takes as little as 25 seconds. And I confirmed with you earlier, Robbie, this yeah. is like a radio signal that only would disrupt the drone communication. It wouldn't well, be. And I'm sure that, I, I mean, I, I suppose they're talking military drones and things like that are, are really the concern, stuff that's carrying a, a dangerous payload. Mm-hmm. When I fly my drone, which is a camera, um, sometimes I can get interference. And if I get inter- interference, now my drone, I lose con- connection from my controller to the drone. So here they're forcibly removing the connection between the user's controller and the drone. Right. So they would lose the ability to, uh, to control it. But also uh, the operator would probably not be line of sight flying. So they'd also lose visual. Oh, okay. um, so they lose that visual connection. To Is it there well. a safety feature on drones? Like when you lose connection, does it yeah. sa- safely and slowly <laughs> fall to the ground? Or once they zap it, do it does it just like well, plummet like see, a meteor? When we had, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you recall when we had Henry Bailey Brown on the show mm-hmm. from Aerial Support Air Photography uh, or Air Support Aerial Photography. Um, he talked about the fact that the higher end drones have a GPS system. And that GPS system is used not only to control uh, the drone, but also so that if I lose connection, it can come home to me, uh, which is to return to the controller. Uh, It may just hover if it loses connection so that you can get up to it. So the GPS system is going to keep it flying in the case of these higher end drones. Something like my drone, which uh, doesn't have a GPS, it's much lower end, uh, would just probably crash it would lose lose connection to the controller and whatever i was doing when it last connected if i was flying right it would just keep flying right and eventually just go down (laughs) well let's hope that they don't target yours yeah i don't think that they have to that i have to worry worry about that big thanks this week to sparkly balls and roy w nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us if you found a new story that you'd like to send email it to newsroom at category5.tv For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson. Hi. Shelly De Silva. She's new here. so Newbie. If it takes her a moment to introduce herself, you, you know why. I, I got some uh, questions came in. Uh, this one comes to us on YouTube. Mm. Kazu DV says, what's the name of the mic that you use? And then we got a question here from Dal Watson, uh, Dal W on Twitter. It says, hey, Robbie Ferguson, what's the mega model of the wired headset microphone that you use in this video? So I said, well, we've got, uh, we use hardwired. We use XLR adapters. We've got 
the compressor and exciter that is all available through shop.category5.tv. If you go there, you're going to find links for it. Um, his last question, Dal Watson. So that, that to answer your question, Kazoo DV, uh, as well as Dal Watson's first question, mm-hmm. we've got links to these mics. These are the Apex 575s. Uh, we've got these on, uh, if you go to shop.category5.tv, ca- categories are on the right. Go okay. to studio equipment, and you'll see the mics. And what I was saying to Dal W there is that you have to go through a compressor and an exciter to get the sound that we get. Um, so if I get louder uh, or if one of us is quieter, um, okay. yep. it's going to automatically uh, level things and make it sound good. So then, because we're hardwired, we go into these packs that are uh, – so this is uh, an Audio-Technica AT8539. This is a little phantom power pack that uh, is powered by our mixing console, but it converts this thin little wire that's made for these wireless headsets – to convert it into XLR. That's how we do it because then we don't have any interference uh, and we're fairly stationary anyways. If you want to go wireless though, these headsets are compatible with you know your Sure systems and mm-hmm. uh, comes with a bunch of cables to make it compatible. We went with the Auto- Audio-Technica XLR adapters because it, it makes sense for us to go yeah. directly into a, a console. Mm. So, uh, and, and what I'll do is I'll put these packs as well, the XLR converters, into that shop link. So by the time you see this, it may already be there. Neat. So. Interesting that two of you <laughs> in two different areas asking the same question. They do sound great, though, don't they? Real good. Close proximity makes a big difference, too. Even with cheaper microphones, it's uh, and these aren't cheap, but I mean, even with mm-hmm. a cheaper headset... Uh, you're going to get better sound than, say, uh, a shotgun that's on the camera because it's so close to my mouth that it, it picks up really well. And you can see tonight Shel- uh, Shelly was having some trouble with it, like snagging and stuff. And that's partially because being your first night here, mm-hmm. we've got to find the, you know, what, what uh, when they're very flexible. So we just have to bend it and mm-hmm. find the, the, the perfect placement for it uh, they also come with a thing that goes behind the ear maybe that's something we could try and it adds another hook on the other ear oh. so then it gives it a little more a little added support yeah oh and my water's flashing there we go and there you have it kids he's using his bottle see how i wasn't even looking over there i Lula, didn't even see Lula it go, works but it works we have a question do we have a question all right let's do it let's get right into it um, Thanks, everybody. I'm currently trying to do what you discussed in your broadcast. However, your broadcast made me aware of cons I didn't know about. It's okay. the 2945, a standard for all DSLR cameras. So this is DSLR mm-hmm. related? Okay. Or just the T2i. I just purchased the Rebel. I believe it's called. Um, is that the same? Is that the same or has something changed since your video? If there's a good DSLR option, please advise. Oh, is this from way back when we, uh, I think uh, somebody loaned us a T2i or something like mm, that to maybe. look at, could it be used for broadcast? Mm-hmm. Since then, uh, and, and I, I don't remember everything that happened in that okay. particular review. I think we had some trouble with getting a good, solid, clean HDMI output. Yeah. Since that's... then, we, uh, we did DSLR for Wirecast on linuxtechshow.com. Okay. If you go there, uh, do a quick search, uh, that's going to take you to YouTube. Um, I'll show you how to do it. Uh, DSLR for Wirecast shows us using the D5100 from Nikon. It's a cheaper, and I wouldn't say entry level, but it, it is fairly entry level as far as 
the price goes mm-hmm. uh, camera, but it's uh, interchangeable lenses. It comes okay. with a nice kit lens. And by hacking it, uh, we're able to then turn it into a video camera. So it's oh. what we're using tonight. I don't know if you okay. can tell that the quality here live is, is actually quite good. Um, that's the D5100 hacked running HDMI into mm-hmm. a Magewell card. It's important that you get Magewell uh, versus we also tried uh, Blackmagic um, Intensity Pros because we were looking for something entry-level cheap. Okay. Uh, then I tried the Aver Media Gamer HD uh, Pro or something like that, Gamer H- HD Gamer anyways, um, and it also didn't do it for us. Uh, problems, mm. problems have to do with that um, perspective, uh, the aspect ratio of the video coming off the DSLR. The Magewell cards allows you to fix, to correct the aspect ratio. Um, so it's a little more expensive, but it's definitely worth the investment if you're going to be doing live broadcasting and you can't post-produce okay. stretching or fixing the, the video. Uh, go to linuxtechshow.com, and that's going to take you to a special YouTube channel here. And here um, you should find it, but if we go into uh, search and just type in DSLR... And you'll see DSLR for Wirecast Part 1 and Part 2. And those two are really, really important for you if you're thinking about doing this. Uh, That's using a DSLR camera for any kind of broadcast. I say for Wirecast, but realistically it's for any PC uh, doing live broadcast. Um, Also, another thing for you to look at is uh, theshowshow.tv. That's a show that you'll want to subscribe to. That's one of our broadcasts. Uh, I've done one episode so far, and we're going to be rolling out a lot more and working on a very, very uh, in-depth series on hacking a Nikon D5100, how to to procure one, how to get the best deal, how Mm -hmm. to save yourself some money, how to turn it into a video camera, how to make it so that it's powered up for the entire two-hour broadcast and you don't have to worry about burning your your sensors and and running out of battery life and things. Adam doesn't have to change batteries over there because he's on a. Mm. We've uh, hacked an, an AC adapter into the battery compartment. It's a good setup. Um, so it thinks it's got a battery in it, but no, it's actually plugged in. So there's all this kind of stuff to look at. Mm. Go to the showshow.tv and subscribe to that on YouTube, and you'll be happy about the what you see Neat. coming up. Thanks for the question. Appreciate it, and thanks for tuning in. Got more for me? Hmm. Let's see here. We've got a couple people heading out. They're snoozing. Um, <laughs> they're going to bed. Sorry, they're not snoozing oh, at the show. They're, the they're late, going to bed. The yes. late-nighters. <laughs> yeah, sorry. A, we're we're me... covering all the world. <laughs> let's, let's take a look at while you're looking for that. Let's look at, okay, well, if you're going to bed, guys. <laughs> Let me clarify that. Map.cat5.tv is a fun little tool to Ooh, take a look neat. at. This is going to show you where people are watching from tonight. Um, so yeah, I guess some of you are, it's getting pretty late over mm-hmm. there in Mongolia. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Uh, but welcome to everybody who's watching from all around the world. Get onto our welcome. website, category5.tv. Uh, nice to see so many people from pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Australia, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of you watching in Australia, New Zealand as well. Um, it's been a while since we've looked at the map. But mm-hmm. That's really neat. Real time I've never view. seen that before. And lots of people watching in Japan tonight mm-hmm. as well. That's awesome. Neat. South Korea, not quite as many people watching in North Korea tonight. Um, <laughs> they have a really bad internet connection. I believe. Yeah, I, I hear that. The, yeah, their land. internet is, is, <laughs> is a hit or miss. Yeah. Is there a, we have another question. Here. All right, fantastic. 
Is there any Thunderbolt support under Linux? Yeah. Um, I haven't done it, so what are you looking to do? Um, but yes, it is uh, part of some of the kernels, for sure. There's a question from Dooley the Volca as well. All right. So it says, Robbie, can I run Unraid 6 on a system and boot it having... And boot having it use and control a USB 3.0 external hard drive while still having other hard disks in the system that I do not want to change or use in the session as a way to try it out on a fast, large hard drive that I can spare the space on. Okay. Does that make any sense to you? (laughs) Are we trying to boot from... Yes, and boot... And boot having it use and control a USB 3.0 external hard drive. I, I see the question here. Dooley the Volca. Yes. yes. In the chat room. Yes. Mm. I'm thinking it's the Vulcan. Is it the Vulcan, Dooley? Did, did IRC cut you off? Because it's so old school, you can only do so many characters and then you get <laughs> cut off. Um, Robbie, can I run Unraid 6 on a, on a system? Boot having it use and control the USB 3.0 external hard drive. Okay, so, mm. yeah. Um, still having other hard disks in the system. Oh, that I don't want to change or mm-hmm. use. In the, ah, so can you try out Unraid? Set up an array using external hard drives. Give it a, get a feel for it. Connect to it. Use it, and not touch the OS of the main system that's already in there. Yeah, because when you first boot up Unraid, uh-huh. it gives you a list of all your hard drives. So depending on the version that you've got, so say you've got Unraid Pro, it's something like 20-some-odd drives you can have mounted. So you would select the external USB drive as the one that you want to add to the array. You need to have at least two drives to have parity. Um, that means if one one fails... Um, are you flicking your hair in my periphery? Is that what you're doing? I went pew! Yeah, all right. Uh, Sound effects. So, yeah, it could be done uh, for testing only. I wouldn't... I, I wouldn't personally trust using external USB drives in my array officially, permanently, okay. because someone could accidentally unplug one okay. on a live array. That would probably not be a good I- idea. Worse would be if someone unplugged two. Good. That would be even worse. So I like <laughs> to put everything in such a way that it's, it's built in. But yes, you could do that. Mm-hmm. But be very, very careful. But Unraid does prompt you, but when you first add the drive, it's going to want to pre-clear it. A very time-consuming process if you have not pre-cleared it. Because it's an external drive, you can take it over to another Linux box, use Joe H's uh, pre-clear script, uh, which you'll find in the forums, and uh, use that to pre-clear that USB drive before you connect it to that computer. And then that way you can just mount it and it's done. So if you go to mount one of the internal hard drives that you don't want to wipe and it says, hey, do you want to pre-clear? Well, <laughs> no, no, because that's going to wipe every sector and, and what it does is it does like a stress test on the drive to make sure that it's going to uh, be reliable in your array. Mm, neat. Mm-hmm. Never knew that. Remember that if you use an external hard drive, it's going to be quite a bit slower. So the pre-clear process could take a long time, especially if it's large. I wouldn't do it with like a three terabyte or something. If you want to do some testing, start with like a 500 gig Nothing more than that because it's going to take a lot of time to pre-clear if you're just playing around. That's all. Thanks for the question. Hope it helps. Yeah, just to try it out. Absolutely. But you can boot up from the OS uh, Unraid on a USB flash drive anyways and just and just see what the interface looks like. Um, you can connect to it through Samba or CIFS and you'll see the flash drive and you can open it. And But it, yeah, if you want to have at least two drives 
in the array if you want to really test it, start dropping some files on it. Mm. Neat thing about Unraid too is that uh, Unraid as well, I should say, uh, is that because the drives are entirely independent and Parity is on a Parity drive, not mm-hmm. striped across the array, you can unplug that external drive, plug it into your computer, and all the files are there oh, that were on that right. drive. Not from the entire array, but from that particular right. drive. So, um, so it makes it really easy to move data from one system to the next and things like that. Mm. So pretty decent. We have a second question there. Oh, good. Uh, Sound Pro 69. I'm not even, I don't even get a chance to, to pre-read your question, so this is where I get, uh, is there any forum resources to get help with Linux driver issues? For example, can I find a, a programmer whom I can pay to write Linux drivers for device provided I send them the hardware? Holy cow. Do you have a device that uh, are you manufacturing something and you need somebody? I'm sure there are resources for that kind of thing, but I think where you could look is um, get involved in some of the communities that are doing DIY stuff like Raspberry Pi or Arduino and, and mm-hmm. see what those guys, uh, guys and gals say about this kind of thing because they're probably more uh, you know, working with that kind of stuff, making hardware work. Uh, but certainly some of those DIY groups would, would be helpful. Rev D. Jenk uh, offering the Free Software Foundation as, as a resource as well. Uh, thanks for that. So, we're, I, I can't believe it, but we're right out of time. Did we cover everything? Get it all? I think so. She thinks so. So, that's, that's the show. So, nice to have you here. And it's oh, it's going to be a lot of fun over the next little while getting to know you and introducing you to the community. Uh, make sure you say hi to Shelly. Uh, pop messages uh, to us at live at category5.tv and uh, thank you for being here next week of course is like back to the future day so we're going to be here uh, looking at some of the tech that might have been a hit and some of them that uh, might have been a miss as far as what they foresaw for 2015 don't miss it take care everybody see ya We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.